Well, we've got a, another special guest with us today. Uh, it's a great privilege to have someone to speak to us uh, a little bit later on from God's Word. But we're not going to be seeing uh, him on Zoom. We've actually got Andrew Nixon live with us in the Ministry Centre. So, hey, really great to be here with you, Andrew. Hi, Tom. It's great to be here. Uh, now, look, it's it's... It's a bit weird to have someone else up on stage here with me apart from the band. Right. Uh, I just want to check. Uh, I've got my metre and a half ruler here. And I just uh, want to uh, assure everyone that we are socially distanced. Okay, brilliant. Thank you. Thanks for your thoughts. Uh, so d- just don't touch the end of it there. But as you can see, we are more than 1.5 metres. You should think about going on Survivor, Tom. You've got some <laughs> real skills there. Uh, uh, well, yeah, thanks a lot. Uh, it, it survived the day at least. Uh, so, look, Andrew, great to have you here. Um, you're, uh, you're used to be an officer in the Royal Australian Navy. That's correct. Yeah. Uh, and currently serving as a chaplain in the Navy Reserves. Yes, yes. All also, the uh, head of pastoral care and volunteer services at Hammond Care. That's right, Hammond yeah. Care. So some of you might know Erina facility, for example, of uh, Hammond Care. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely heard of it. So, um, uh, but most notably, Andrew, uh, I believe you were also best man at Dave and Ruth's wedding. Is that right? That is absolutely true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah That's a claim a to fame. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, and look, real privilege to have you here in your Navy uniform. Uh, that's a, a real honour. So, uh, do you have to get special permission or something to be able to, to do that, to be here with us? I, I guess, I, yeah, well, there was an email that was sent through by, uh, by Dave to my boss just to make sure that this was going to be an official event today. So, it, it's uh, a real privilege to be here, I guess, to represent the Royal Australian Navy. And so, in that sense... Yes, yeah. I've uh, uh, had that all, all cleared away. Yeah, well, it's a, re- it's a real honour, something very special uh, for us. So, uh, look, uh, uh, how did you spend this unique Anzac Day yesterday? Well, very similar to what we've been hearing from Rayanne and others. We went down to our driveway at six o'clock as a family, and uh, most of the other families in our street came out as well, and that was just a really special time. And uh, I think whoever thought of that really hit on something amazing, and we had a recording of the last post and so on coming through from from Canberra, so that was great. Uh, And importantly, we had lamb roast for dinner last night with rosemary. With rosemary. Fantastic. And and did that remind you of the... uh, It did, and it tasted fantastic as well. Fantastic, fantastic. Um, And so, uh, look, so you're there with your family. Tell us about your family. Say hi to them uh, and uh, tell us who they are. Indeed, hi. My wife is Jenny. Uh, She would have been here today, but with isolation and all the rest of it, she uh, she hasn't made the trip. And I have four kids. So Jesse, Rachel, Ethan and Hannah. So uh, we're at home a lot together lately with two doing school from home, two doing university from home, and Jenny and I are doing a bit of work from home sometimes as well. Uh, full house, hey? Yeah, full house, yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. So um, can you give us a snapshot in the uh, Australian Defence Force? Uh, how many people are there who are, who are Christians, followers of Jesus in yeah, the Defence Force? Good question, Tom. And I think that the easiest answer, whilst I don't have data available, is that it will be similar to the rest of the community. So the, the people within the Australian Defence Force are drawn from the wider community and would reflect the same views and uh, and attitudes. What is worth noticing is that the Australian Defence Force is very young. And I think with uh, newer generations coming through, people know less about Christianity. So there's many opportunities for chaplains to share the fantastic news of Christianity and the news of Jesus. So it's like a, it's, uh, if you're a youth pastor, for example, mm. uh, you should think about maybe chaplaincy. Okay. Because it really is a young organisation with lots of wonderful people who really don't know too much about Jesus. 
Yeah, okay. And so um, uh, how do you help Christians who are in the military think about their role as being a follower of Jesus and a soldier at the same time? Yeah, look, this comes up and often actually not so much for people in the military, but often people who are thinking about joining the military and they think, can I actually be part of an organisation where, you know, it may involve killing an enemy? And uh, I think there's a lot of things to think through there. Um, Firstly, remember that in Jesus' day, there were many soldiers and Jesus never said to them uh, that they shouldn't serve Caesar or that they shouldn't be a soldier. What he said to them is you should serve serve God most of all. Mm. So that's an important point. And also you need to think about the fact that as the Australian Defence Force, we are really an agent of the Australian government. So not unlike the police or the federal police, uh, sometimes people involved in policing need to use deadly force as well. And we've been hearing that on the news over recent months and years as well. So uh, it's really about recognising that we serve government. There might be some governments in the world that you would hesitate to serve. There might be some governments of the world, maybe you wouldn't want to be a member of their police force or a member of their armed services. But I have great confidence Uh, in our government and I'm very happy to serve them and I know that whatever they call on me to do uh, it will be right but ultimately we need to serve God. Mm. Uh, Well thanks, Uh, thanks Trina, that's really helpful Uh, and we're grateful for your service of our nation as well. So um, how have you seen um, the the gospel, uh, the message of Jesus uh, make a difference or make an impact in the military, uh, you know, of of late or? uh... Look, I I think uh, at any time there are great opportunities with people who serve in the Australian Defence Force. And the reason for that is because they are all very well aware that when they go on operations or when they're called to be part uh, of something dangerous, that their life is in risk. Uh, at risk and their life is in danger. And uh, there's an old saying, there's not many atheists in foxholes. And can I tell you that's true, yeah. uh, that when people are actually going off uh, to serve in a conflict uh, or to participate in some kind of activity which might involve their life being lost, they are very interested to know what is beyond life. Mm. And chaplains have many wonderful opportunities to chat to people about the most important things. Uh, because it's not so easy to put off and say that'll never happen to me if you're about to go off to a part of the world where there's going to be shooting and where your life is in danger. So many opportunities, and it's great for chaplains to be there with people as they go through that, uh, to be able to pray with them and talk with them about the most important things of all. Yeah, and so that's the role that you're playing. Absolutely. Yeah, Uh, that's fantastic. Uh, Thanks for um, telling us a little bit about that, Andrew. You're going to speak to us uh, about part of the Bible in just a second. Uh, First, I'm going to lead us in prayer uh, for our nation, for our world, uh, and then I'm going to read out uh, part of the Bible, and then we'll hand over to you uh, to speak to us. So uh, we'll hear from you in a second. Thanks, Thanks, Andrew. Uh, Let me lead us in prayer. Our Heavenly Father and our great God, our rock and our fortress, we praise you, God of all nations, and thank you again for the blessings that you have poured out on us and our nation. We thank you for uniting us by your Spirit, speaking to us through your Word, and giving us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Thank you for slowing the spread of the virus in our nation and largely protecting our region here on the coast. And we beg you 
to slow the spread of the virus in other regions and nations. Father, in your sovereign power, please slow this virus and save the lives of many who are ill. We pray that your name would be honoured as our world, as our lives are shaken up. May this crisis turn people to you, we pray, and may you save them, Father. Our God, our ruler and our guide, in whose hands are the destinies of this and every nation, we give you thanks for the freedoms we enjoy in this land and for those who have laid down their lives to defend them. We pray that we and all the people of Australia, gratefully remembering their courage and sacrifice, may have the grace to live in a spirit of justice, of generosity and of peace. And Father, as we hear your word read and expounded, may we not just be hearers, but also listeners. Please let your word be like a tree that bears much fruit in our lives to the praise and glory of your name. We pray this through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. All right, well, if you'd like to turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 15, let me just pick up my Bible here. Uh, John chapter 15, and we are going to be reading from verse 9. Jesus is speaking, and this is what he says. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends, if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. Well, thanks, Tom, for your welcome. And uh, for those of you who may be just tuning in, my name is Andrew, Andrew Nixon, and I'm a chaplain in the Navy Reserve. Uh, I've done that for about the last eight years or so. But my day job is looking after pastoral care and volunteers in an organisation called Hammond Care. Now, in a former life, I was also in the full-time Navy as an officer for about 14 years, and it's a great privilege to be part of this special service today. Not that any of us would have expected me to have been speaking to an empty room uh, when David invited me to be here some months ago. Now, Anzac Day is a very special day for all Australians. Some may say it's, in fact, the most significant day of the year for Australians, and we could perhaps debate that. But whether that's true or not, and maybe that's impossible to answer, I, for one, am very glad indeed 
that Anzac Day is a special day and is remembered by all Australians, especially school kids, in fact, without whom uh, we may indeed forget. And I was greatly encouraged by what happened in my street yesterday morning, and whoever came up with that wonderful idea was really onto something uh, to enable us all to stop and remember those who served. Well, we've now passed 100 years since those events at Anzac Cove, that fateful morning and the horrible campaign that followed, which ended, of course, in a stalemate at the cost of so many lives. 260 days that campaign lasted, in which nearly 130,000 men died from bullets and by disease. Uh, That's about 500 per day on average, two-thirds of whom, we must remember, were Turks. We've also passed 100 years since the end of World War I now, of which similar things could be said, could they not? The First World War brought about the mobilisation of over 70 million people and left between 9 and 13 million people dead, perhaps as many as one-third of them with no known grave. So Anzac Day, 100 years ago, back in 1920, or Gallipoli Day, as it was then known, 100 years ago uh, from this weekend, was commemorated in peace. The First World War had ended. The guns had fallen silent, of course, uh, just over a year earlier, at 11am on the 11th of November 2018. And so by April 1920, Anzac Day, all the troops were back home and trying to resume life uh, as it was. We were just reminded yesterday by the Governor of New South Wales, in fact, that uh, 101 years ago, Anzac Day 1919 was affected by the Spanish flu. And of course, I'd never heard that before. But as we live with COVID-19, it's interesting to reflect uh, that that happened 101 years ago. So much more things could be said about the extraordinary events of a century ago. But this morning, I want to reflect more generally on the idea of Anzac Day and the legacy that it has on our nation. I want to reflect on who we are as a people, who we are as a nation, and what is the place of Anzac Day in the midst of all of that, and why is it that Anzac Day speaks to us so deeply as a nation, Australia? And I want to do that by reflecting on the fact that I travelled to India recently. It was pre-COVID-19. I went to a wedding in Delhi. Now, I was impacted in many ways by that trip. And if you've been to India, if you've been to Delhi, you will know exactly what I'm talking about. But one of the things that I was really impacted by and will never forget was all of the monuments in India. I'm not sure you could do them justice in a lifetime of visiting all of these extraordinary buildings. Some are Hindu, some are Muslim, some are graves like the Taj Mahal, most famously. Others are great forts, some are the homes of princes. One of them, called the Kutab Manar, was built in 1192. Think about that for a minute, 1192, and is still to this day the tallest brick tower in the world. Now, there are just so many of these incredible structures, uh, you just need to see them to believe them. I mean, there are so many, you virtually can't keep track of them all. 
I inquired about one it mu extraordinary building. It must have been 500 years old, uh, twice the, the age of our nation, if it was a day old. Uh, I asked about it and my sister-in-law looked a little vaguely and just said, oh, it's just another monument. You see, all of these incredible buildings, though, each and every one of them has been built by or for a great one, perhaps a king, perhaps an emperor or a conqueror of some kind. Now, as you can imagine, this is not at all something that I was familiar with as a kid growing up in country New South Wales. Now, sure, there are a few bronze statues of kings and queens in the city. I think of the QVB and there's a statue there of Queen Victoria, but not many of those sorts of things. And I've got to say, when the biggest city you know is Wagga Wagga, uh, you're not really used to seeing these kinds of things around. Now, what I grew up with, though, was very different. But when you stop and reflect, uh, as I've done, actually we had quite a few monuments, lots of monuments in fact, but a very different kind of monument. You see, in country New South Wales, just like in the city, in fact in every town and every village, perhaps it's in a park or it might be in the main street if you go looking, maybe in the front of the post office or just near the school, you'll find a very modest monument everywhere in the tiniest villages. It might take the form of uh, a cenotaph or perhaps a special clock. It might be a flagpole, perhaps even a gate. That was the case in my locality of Yurungili. Uh, there were memorial gates to the local tennis courts. Now on those modest monuments, whatever form they may take, you'll actually find a plaque. And on that plaque is a list of names. Now, almost always, these names are listed in alphabetical order, not rank order, uh, just no, no ranks included, just names listed alphabetically. And of course, these were the names of the young men from the local area who served in the Great War, the war to end all wars, as it was called. Though before too long, plaques were added to these monuments to honour those who went to the Second World War, to Korea, to Malaya, and belatedly, sadly, in many cases, Vietnam. Now, if you look closely at these plaques, these list of names, you'll see that beside some of the names, there's a little mark. Sometimes it's an asterisk. Sometimes it might be a little dagger. But almost always you'll find it is a cross, a tiny cross. And of course, that indicates that that person did not return. Do you see just how different my experience is to that of India. And this is not to single out India. I think it's the same throughout the world. But you see, the monuments of my childhood are very different indeed. They do not honour emperors and princes and kings and great ones. No, they honour very ordinary blokes like you and me. You see, on Anzac Day, we do not honour greatness and we do not honour war or conquest. We certainly don't honour victory. Of course, we lost at Gallipoli. No, what we honour on Anzac Day is service. And we honour sacrifice. We give thanks for those who sacrificed their bodies, their minds and their mates. And we remember the unprecedented, unprecedented number of people uh, in the war to end all wars 
and all the wars that followed who made the ultimate sacrifice. Some 102,825 sailors, soldiers and airmen, almost 103,000 people across those years. They were all very ordinary people, but at the same time quite extraordinary. And what makes them special is their willingness to serve us. And what makes them remarkable is their sacrifice for us. Now that's worth reflecting on. You know, in the ancient world, BC as it's called, before Christ, no one celebrated humility. And certainly no one celebrated self-sacrifice. That's a concept which was silly. It was unheard of. In fact, it would be considered an absurd idea. Now, in those days, conquering victory was celebrated. Power and prestige were celebrated, but not sacrifice. Putting others ahead of self, sacrificing yourself, would be something that only the weak or the pathetic would do. And do you know those kinds of attitudes prevail in many, many cultures around the world? So why is it different in Australia? Well, Jesus of Nazareth actually changed the course of history for us. And whether you follow him or not, and whether you recognise this or not, it's true, Jesus changed the way we all think You know, the Apostle John recalls on the very night before his death that Jesus did something that absolutely shocked all of his disciples. He wrapped a towel around his waist and he took a jug of water and one by one he went about washing his disciples' feet. Now, I think it's hard for us to grasp just how shocking that was. You see, he was their teacher He was their leader. He was the great one. But he took on the role of the very lowest servant. And I'm sure that was a lesson they would never forget. And later that same night, the Lord Jesus says these now very famous words. And we heard them read a little earlier by Tom. John records for us that Jesus says this. No one has greater love than this, than to lay down one's life for one's friends. And of course, we know that the very next day, he does just that. He lays down his own life for all of mankind because he wants us all to be his friends. See, I think in our Western culture, which is so deeply affected and shaped by Christianity, we don't always realise just how radical this change is that Jesus has brought because it's become so normal for us. So much so that after his death on a Roman cross 2,000 years on, we actually take it for granted that the best leaders are servant leaders, those who put their followers' needs ahead of their own. We take it for granted in our culture that sacrifice is something that ought to be honoured and that laying down one's life for others is the greatest love of all. That's what Anzac Day is all about. It's about these things that we hold dear. We sometimes call them uh, Australian values. 
we sometimes talk about the Anzac spirit. What they have at their core is this radical idea of self-sacrifice, that others are more important than we are, that you do not let your mates down, even if it costs you dearly. So we honour the, Anzac, the Anzacs today, yesterday, Anzac Day. And by Anzacs, I mean every soldier, every nurse, in every war, past and present, those who returned and those who did not. We honour them all because like Jesus Christ, their saviour and our saviour, they were prepared to make the ultimate sacrifice for one another and for their nation and for us. And so you see, our monuments are very different from the monuments you find in just about every other culture around the world. They're not grand structures for grand people. Just simple plaques with a list of names, alphabetically, no rank, because each person is equal before God. And next to some, a tiny cross. And of course, each and every cross reminds us not only of the sacrifice that that soldier made, but points us to the one great sacrifice made for them and for us and for all mankind. No one has greater love than this, than to lay down one's life for one's friends. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you today for all those who in times of war and conflict have served us by putting our needs ahead of their own. And we especially thank you for each and every one who made the ultimate sacrifice and gave their life in service of their nation. And we honour them today. But above all today, we thank you and we praise you for your son, the Lord Jesus, who did not come to be served, but to serve, who loved us perfectly and laid down his life for us, that we might be your friends for all eternity. Amen.